to the Flex Success Podcast, where we teach you how to be less shit. Covering all things science relating to nutrition, training, recovery, and more. Who knows, we might even sprinkle in a dick joke or two. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to the Flex Success Podcast. You are joined by myself, Dee, my lovely partner, Liz. Hi. Nearly called you by your first name just to kick this podcast off with a banger. What, like my full name. Full name. Uh, it's the same as the Queen, and I only get called it by my mum when I'm in a lot of trouble. Well, speaking of the Queen, we have the Queen of Muscle Nerds. We do. Yeah. Hi, Queen Zoe. My goodness. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to <laughs> the How to Be Less Shit podcast. We have had your hubby on twice, I believe. Mm. Yeah. And we spoke about poo on both of them, sure. Just, it's, it's Luke. <laughs> it's what you do. You know what I was just about to say that's like hard to follow on from big shoes to fill, but it really, it's not really, is it? When you're talking just about poo there was, and penis jokes. There was a lot of poo. Poo, penis jokes, and how to, how to uh, create and use ATP. They all synthesize perfectly together. Perfectly. Now, what a combination. <laughs> Zoe, for listeners that hadn't listened to either of Luke's podcasts and don't really know what Muscle Nerds is all about and don't know you, maybe you can give us an intro to you and Muscle Nerds. So who are you? What do you do? And why do you do it? Who am I? I am Luke's other half. You are more than that. Better half, exactly. Better half. Um, I am also the, I was just about to say the back end of Muscle Nerds, but that makes me sound like I'm the arsehole. Hey? The queen of Muscle Nerds. The queen of muscle nerds, Luke, is the king. Um, so I, we have been around for this September will be seven years, which is nice when you look at the statistics of successful businesses. <laughs> I think it's two years, isn't it? Is the, like yeah, I think yeah. it's something really low hits the two years and then even less at the five. So, so I did they like even try? No, oh, no. Business is I'm hard. Jo- I'm joking. <laughs> The amount of times I've banged my head against the wall, I'm like, Dean, it's us or flex. Yeah. But we've we've made it. We've both done it. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. How many times I've had to say to myself, Zoe, are you going to be wife Zoe or are you going to be business partner Zoe? Yeah. And I always choose wife Zoe. I was like, the business can suffer. Like, I'm not going to choose the business over Luke. They've both survived. We got deep really quick. Um, so we've been around for yeah, almost seven years. I do, Luke, if you haven't listened to Luke's podcast, I would turn this off right now, go and listen to them and then come back. If- no, yours is going to be great. I can feel it. <laughs> um, I just won't talk about as much poo and penis. Hopefully. Zoe is incredibly humble. She is incredibly humble because you are a smart cookie and you have a real passion for training and nutrition and have done a fair amount of study. And you've yeah, positioned yourself as the, uh-huh, what was that? I said, I also study. I forgot about that. We have a gym too and I work in the gym. So yeah, there's other things. I do that. I'm studying my Bachelor of Health Science. I've been doing that part-time since 2017 um, in nutrition. I started off doing it in naturopathy, but I found I was just avoiding all the herbal subjects. And it, <laughs> I think it's mainly because of how it's approached in the school that, in the, in the school that I go to, in the college that I go to, it's quite fluffy i was gonna say eastern yeah 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 um and i look i have a lot of respect for that but i just have a very um 
I love I love science like my favorite subjects are the really heavy science subjects I just they make sense to me I like logic um and so I study I've been doing that since part-time since 2017 and then yeah we also own a small gym here in Brisbane so I take all the evening classes there Mm. so what's your passion for uh, your health science degree and for training where does that come from um, I don't know. Like, I think it was, well, I'll tell you, I might as well start back at the very start. When I decided I was going to be a personal trainer, it actually was in around about 2012, I think. And at the time I was working in, like I did my first year of law and psychology at uni and I was there in New Zealand, you have to, I had to move away to go to uni. So I was living in a small town and then I moved away to Wellington to go to uni there. Hated it. Wasn't ready. I didn't, I had, I don't even know why I chose law. Like English is my least favorite subject. Uh, like I said, I love maths. I love science. I love things that have a black and white answer. That's just, it is, or it isn't. Um, even though science you could argue is mm-hmm. greater than mathematics, but anyway, um and so moved back to Hawke's Bay worked in legal came over to Australia was working in legal but I went to a uh boxing gym and the guy who took the boxing class it was the owner of the gym because the guy who normally takes it was away I just remember being like I really want to be like him like he was so good he was motivating but he was it was firm but you know, nice. And so I went away and that Saturday, it was a Saturday morning. And that Saturday I inquired for schools at fitness colleges, uh, applied. I got, had my interview on Tuesday or Wednesday, got accepted that week and then got offered a job like the next day, like the boot camps and stuff that I was doing at the time. Cause I started off in like the cardio. I think we all started there. Yeah. I don't think, is there any other way in? I don't, well, now there is, but anyway, back, it, was, it wasn't that long ago, 10 years ago. And I uh, was started training. I got offered a job. The boot camp I went to, the lady calls up and she said, oh, I've heard you're studying Cert 3 and 4. And I said, I am. And she goes, oh, good, because I'm ringing to offer you a job. So I started work practice. I can even figure out how to turn that off. I started uh, practicing, uh, uh, what's the word? What am I trying to say? I started um, work experience at the same time I started my Cert 3 and 4. And I remember at the time just being like, there is more to clients' results than the 45 minutes I get with them. And I'm very inquisitive in nature. Uh, so I was just like, what is that? Like, how how can they get better results? Like, what about the other 23 hours and 15 minutes of the day that they're not with me? What are, the, what are they doing? What can they do? And that's how I ended up meeting Luke because I went to a biosig course thinking that that was going to answer all my questions uh and so just from that from that point on I've always just been super inquisitive it's not enough for me to be told something works I need to know why and how and what instances it doesn't and what instances it does and you know so that's why when when we decided we were going to settle in Australia because Luke's American he's from well Texan I'm going to get in trouble for that um (laughs) I said to him can I like, can I study? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. So I, I started my Bachelor of Health Science and I just, initially I needed to do something for myself because when we started Muscle Nerds, I very much felt like I was writing the coattails of Luke. Like it was the Luke Lehman show. I mean, it still is, but I feel less so now because I pull my weight behind the scenes more but at the time I was like I just need to do something for me that's mine that no one can turn around and say well you're just there because of Luke or I so I couldn't didn't feel like 
I was just handed the life that I had. Like I really wanted to do something for me. So that's why I started that, um, the combination of just being really inquisitive by nature and just needing to know more than what um, most people will deem sufficient. And then, uh, cause I just really wanted to do something for myself and I'm really happy with how it's going along. It's just the time. It's just, it's a long process. It's been five years and I've probably got another four to go. <laughs> okay, cool. So what's happening with muscle nerds right now? What are you guys working on? Oh, uh, oh, we've got a lot that we're working on. Actually, there's one thing that I can only touch on really briefly. And then there's one thing I can chat about. So we've got our online clients that we have uh, Luke, and then we do have a contractor coach, David, who takes on a couple as well, which is great. So we've got our online coaching services. We have online education uh, at the moment, our biggest uh, course or our main course is a program design course that we have. Uh, it's got over 140 hours of content. So it's a really big course and uh, we used to market it as like a 10 week online course but now it's just like you sign up and it's yours forever because you're going to want to go through it plenty of times and you're going to want to take your time um and then we also are in the final stages of releasing a online hypertension course which luke has put together and um it should be up for pre-sale hopefully by the end of next week oh great um, and then i'm also working on a computer software which i haven't told anybody about which yeah. is really exciting is that the one you can't talk about very much? That's one I can't really talk about at the moment, but it's going to be, there's nothing like it in the industry. So okay. I'm super excited about it. But hopefully towards the end of the year, we'll be able to start talking about it more. But yeah, so we've got a lot going on. Good. And so why the hypertension course? <coughs> so when we very first started Muscle Nerds, Luke had come from the in a background of uh, like Poliquin Group. So he mentored under Charles Poliquin and all of the education, well, majority of the continuing education that you could do in the industry at the time was very elite focused. So it was, uh, you know, how to get someone dick skin lean or it was athletic development. And people would go to these things because A, they're really cool to learn. Um, but then they would take these protocols and they would go home and they would try and apply it to, you know, their client that was a CEO, you know, 65 year old CEO of a big business who had three kids and high blood pressure and just stress to the girls. And they'd wonder why it wasn't working. Um, so when we started muscle nerds, Luke said, we, I want to teach how to train general population people. I want to teach about, um, you know, how to get the best results with as he likes to call it, Mary Muffin Top. <laughs> um, you know, a, a stressed mum of three who works 45 hours a week. And like he says, um, you know, and that hair eight year old smoking crack. So, you know, one of those people that just is not going to dedicate their life to training and recovery and their nutrition. Uh, and the main focus of our education from that point on was always around stress, the physiology of stress, how it alters your response to diet and training how to measure it, how to manage it, how to mitigate it and all that sort of stuff. Uh, one of the things that we found uh, the that was a good marker that we used in terms of stress was always high blood pressure or blood pressure reading. So we, you know, do resting heart rate, HRV and all that sort of stuff. Um, and blood pressure, the more Luke trained and taught people in regards to the general population and the stress side of stuff, the more he saw the improvements and the power that personal trainers have over blood pressure in regards that or that come from training and nutrition. And the more he looked into it, the more that we realized how dangerous 
high blood pressure is and how many people have it. And the difficulty with uh, hypertension is that it's more often than not asymptomatic. So if you don't ever go to the doctor for anything, you wouldn't know you had it until you dropped dead. And that's the problem is I don't know how many times, like, especially my parents, they're around they're like mid sixties and, you know, this sounds awful, but you know, like, like a lot of their friends and acquaintances are starting to have strokes, heart attacks and all that sort of stuff. And every single time I get told about one, it's like, oh, it just came out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, like they, you know, they're healthy. Like they had, you know, they just had this heart attack out of nowhere. And I was like, it never comes out of nowhere. And it's called the silent killer because again, asymptomatic leading up to it, but it's not silent if you know what to look for. Mm. So the more statistics you look into, the more you realize that like high blood pressure is a leading cause of death in the world. It's um, from what I remember uh, after editing all of the videos at the moment, um, it is it kills more people globally than almost all infectious diseases combined. Wow. Now that statistic was pulled prior to COVID. So it might be yeah. a little bit skewed now, uh, but it, it, when you look at it as its own uh, category, because usually when you look at death statistics, uh, hypertension is tied in with cardiovascular disease. Um, but when you look at it as its own own statistic and its own group, it is the third biggest killer in the world hypertension so cardiovascular disease cancer then hypertension uh and it's so easily influenced by trainers and uh well trainers coaches yeah and, and nutritionists as well um so yeah so that's why and it's also our tagline we have a trademark tagline for muscle nerds which is putting the health back in health and fitness and it's just stuff that's not talked about yeah. so the crazy thing with blood pressure too is you go to the doctor nowadays and instead of them referencing against the gold standard they reference against the population average and as if the average is something to aspire to like i've, I've had clients that have gone in and you know have have pulled a 135 over 80 pick it you know pick a number and the doctor's like yeah that's cool it's like within norm and he's like shouldn't i be closer to the 120 he's like now, unless you're at 140 plus, I'm not interested. Hey, actually, quickly, I think we're maybe assuming some knowledge for people that are like, what does D mean by 125 over 80? Yeah. Could you maybe describe systolic over diastolic or Zoe, whoever, and just talk about like what blood pressure is maybe and why it's so dangerous? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So when you get a blood pressure reading, you have like, uh, it's usually given as a fraction. So 120 over 80. Uh, gold standard blood pressure is 115 over 75. That's like optimal gold standard. The difficulty though of giving gold standards in these optimal numbers is if pe people often, especially if you've got like a type A or a neurotic type person and they strive for that number. And if they are 116 over 76, they're like, no, I must get it down. But like, really, that's fantastic. Um, so the number at the top is, your systolic blood pressure and that is the amount of force that is exerted against your arteries uh, when your heart pumps blood through it and then the bottom number is your diastolic and that's the pressure that is against your arteries when you're at rest and there's a number of reasons as to why that pressure might increase um, and when you do have higher pressure against those arteries, uh, especially long-term, it can cause little micro tears and damage. And then the body responds, does damage control to that by plaquing. And your arteries can become stiff, they can become clogged, and then that exacerbates the problem even more. And then before you know it, you've got clog clogged arteries and um, you can't pump blood around your body as efficiently as you should be able to. Uh, but yeah, the problem with the doctors is like, I mean, that's just a problem in everything. I had a friend go to a the hospital because for a host of other reasons, but her hemoglobin was like 72 or something like that, like really, really low. And they wouldn't give her a blood transfusion or iron transfusion because it wasn't at 70. Oh my God, are you kidding me? Like, 
okay so do I mean I understand how they you would have you know like points of when you act and when you don't but come on and it's the same with blood pressure and and the thing is even if he went back next time and it was 137 over 80 five and then he goes back and it's 139 and they still won't do anything clearly it's trending in the wrong direction yeah like why not stop the trend or at least try and 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 that's another thing is when I was looking online as we were putting the course together and I was researching what other hypertension courses were available all of them that were that I could find were given almost like at medical conferences and it was more about like medication and management of Mm. I could not find anything in regards to like anything to do with lifestyle or nutrition obviously there's research but in terms of an actual course or education around it there was nothing in terms of prevention or anything like that um so it was just we feel a really needed uh, a really needed course in the industry, especially because if you do the wrong type of training uh, for someone with hypertension, you can exacerbate the problem even more, uh, yeah. which you'd inadvertently be putting your client more at risk and doing the opposite of what you're supposed to be doing as a trainer. So, yeah, yeah. I used to manage a gym, it feels like another lifetime ago. And before any members were allowed to come into the gym, I had to do a health assessment, and blood pressure was obviously one of them. And there are a few reasons why I would have to not allow somebody immediate unsupervised access to the gym. They would have to go to a GP first. And um, just this risk assessment basically was like if they had a heart attack and died on the gym floor, the people that own the gym wouldn't be liable. And it's interesting because I had to ask a few people to go and get a medical clearance from their GP because of blood pressure. And often I found people weren't taking it seriously. They got the shits with me. and <laughs> they, they didn't really understand the problem. And I guess if somebody has the shits, they're not really responsive to a polite explanation. Mm. So it, I, I do think it's needed not just, you know, prevention, but also, mm, what's the word I'm looking Awareness? for? Awareness. Yeah, there Awareness. you go. Like just to understand. And that's another thing. Luke actually put a phenomenal quote in the course that I made a quote and it said for some reason people and I made it in a post sorry and it said for some reason people don't take hypertension seriously and it's exactly why it's so dangerous Mm. um there was a study done in 1985 where they studied how high people's blood pressure got through performing certain exercises uh, and they found that the more muscle that you use obviously the more the higher your blood pressure goes and the less muscle that you use the less it goes that makes a lot of sense but the number one machine that, that raised blood pressure the highest was the leg press. Mm. Guess what blood pressure rose to when they were performing the leg press? I'm going to say somewhere around 200. No. Do you think so? Yeah. What are you reckoning? Oh. Okay. If you valve on a leg press, everything explodes. Yeah. Okay. Including your puffer valve. <laughs> I just wanted to bring <laughs> in something to do with the bum. Okay, program. now that I'm thinking yeah, about numbers, <laughs> and you know, I've yeah. I've taken people's blood pressure at rest, but you know, granted, probably they're pretty unhealthy, and it was. Mm. Come on now, shoot a number. Oh, I, I might even go above yours. Oh, now you've so you've shit handed, and now you're getting <laughs> for. Now I'm thinking about yeah, exactly. I'm going to go one ten. Sorry, two ten. Two ten. It was four eighty over three hundred and fifty. Amazing. What? How is someone not dead at that? Exactly. exactly. And obviously it's transient. Like as soon as you stop, it lowers. But also even performing. So the lowest, the exercise that caused the lowest raise in blood pressure was a single arm bicep curl. Of course. Um, But even that raised it to 200 and something over something else. Wow. 
it was. But yeah, I just had to double check that it was. I knew it was four. Um, so sorry, four eighty over something, but I couldn't remember the side diastolic. So yeah, it's four eighty over three hundred and fifty is what it got to in a leg press. So if you have a client that's got high blood pressure outside of the gym, normally the last thing you want to do is go and put them on leg press. Um, and again, it's again transient as they're doing it. As soon as they stop, it it lowers. But if you keep you do that for months and you have that accumulative effect, you're doing way more damage mm. than than well, you need to be doing. The leg press is also likely one of the first pieces of leg equipment you would put a gen popper on because they can kind of lock in and just go hard. And most PTs right. are just trying to make people go hard. Yeah, um, and that, that's exactly right. Most PTs. I was actually going to write a post on this. I have a every time I think of an idea for a post, like I email myself and have a notebook <laughs> full. And one of the things I have in there is like anyone can make a hard workout, and that just seems to be the goal of most PTs is just like how am I going to fuck them up? Mm. Yeah, because they use this soreness as a metric to for success, so that the client thinks oh, I got a great workout in. But I just yeah. want to touch on a couple of things because we've not glossed over them, but we've mentioned them a few times. One was the silent killer. I think that's a really pertinent. Uh, saying to remind people of because of what you then also spoke about mechanistically of how if you have high blood pressure eventually you then get plaque as a defense mechanism the body sets up to basically fix the tears in the arterial walls which then creates more stiffness and this is exactly why people do not recognize blood pressure as a problem right yeah. because they don't see or feel this they just are normal and it For happens the most so part, slowly happens so slowly and then yep. in very common all of a sudden yep. Out of nowhere, out that park dislodges and that attack out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was I going to say about that? I was thinking while you were speaking about. Well, did you it. have a question uh, about that? Well, no, no. I just wanted to reiterate the fact that this is why it's called the silent killer. It's the it's the plaque buildup. It's the fact that you don't notice it. You'll feel otherwise relatively healthy or quote unquote normal, and yeah. you're going to keep feeling like that. But what we're saying here is like now you've got to consider the fact that this may exist without you feeling like it and potentially the exercise you're doing that you think may make you healthier could potentially be putting more strain on it. And, 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 and as we get through this podcast of maybe some other reasons why people may have high blood pressure, mm -hmm. that you actually have to be less uh, aware or less um, put less uh, importance on the symptom and more importance on finding out whether or not you have an issue to begin with and then getting at this prophylactically before it's too late. Have either of you... Oh, you go, Zoe. No, no, I was just about to say the other reason people don't take it seriously is because most doctors don't either, which mm. is mind-blowing. Um, but another statistic that Luke pulled is uh, I think it's like 50% of hypertensive patients don't fill their medication script. Oh. And... I reckon the reason, one of the reasons would likely be when you take blood pressure medication, there's like a, a few different categories of types because there's two systems in the body that uh, regulate your blood pressure. One is your, is they do it through uh, fluid volume. So uh, your kidneys and fluid re retention and all that sort of stuff. And then you've got your cardiovascular system and your sympathetic nervous system, which drives that. So those are the two systems. So blood pressure medication can work on one and or both. Um, and you have so many side effects that come with that. And so you start taking a blood pressure medication for a, 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 a condition you have that presents no symptoms. And then now all of a sudden you're getting dizzy. You're, <laughs> you've got impotence. You can't perform in the bedroom. You're having all these side effects and you're like, fuck that medication right off because I'll just go back to being normal again and fine again. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Except then they get rebound hypertension tenfold too. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, um, it needs to be taken more serious anyway. And that's what we're trying to do in the industry is just educate. Luke's written it and presented it. So it's not just uh, applicable to coaches. Whereas our, like all of our other courses, we're speaking to coaches. Whereas this time he's speaking as to anyone who has high blood pressure that wants to do the course, will be able to understand and feel like they're not 
you know, supposed to do it. And then coaches will get a lot out of it as well because of all the information that's presented in terms of training and training methods and nutrition and supplementation protocols and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I imagine that'll be tricky to market if it's not like something that everyone's trying to do. You yeah. Know? Like everyone's trying to lose weight. That's easy. What's Is it going to be a fix, fix your blood pressure in six weeks challenge? <laughs> And then it'll be three weeks and then it'll be 10 days and then it'll be like a seven-day blog. Before and after pictures of your blood pressure. And then it'll be like 20 minutes out on the elliptical and you're sweet, you're sorted. And then it'll be be a competition of who drops the diastolic and systolic the most and the winner at the end gets some fried chicken. And then then we'll have this hypotensive. um, (laughs) What were we talking about? What what did you ask? Sorry. Oh, I just got market. Yeah. No, yeah. So what's really interesting is we've teased it a little bit on our social media and the amount of people that have replied and been like, when are you releasing this? Like I've got so many clients with high blood pressure or I've got high blood pressure or my mom's got high blood pressure. And I think if you like, there are some really sobering statistics about it. Like obviously it being the third biggest killer. Um, the, yeah. So we can, if, I think if we can really try and highlight the dangers of it, but then I get a bit hesitant of that because it's almost like we're fear-mongering. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, oh, it's something that you need to be scared of, but it really is something that you need to be worried of. But the the thing is, it's so easy to fix. Like, it's so easy. Um, it just takes a bit of work, but I shouldn't apply easy with simple with easy. It's simple to fix. It's probably not easy for a lot of people. Mm. Um, but the thing is, they can really take that majority of people with hypertension can really take that into their own hands and lower it. Yeah, well, I don't mind fear mongering. Most people have to have the heart attack before they fucking do anything anyway. So. I wouldn't say it's fear mongering though, because I'm not sure what the exact definition is, but my understanding of fear mongering is like creating fear in something yeah. that doesn't exist. Doesn't Currently, mean, yeah. people should be fearful of this thing yeah. and they're not. So it's more like just creating awareness. But if I remember back to uni and um, looking at uh, the effectiveness of various social campaigns, obviously, drink driving is a huge killer. And we were looking at the stats behind um, social campaigns, whether it would be like uh, do the right thing and don't drink and drive because, you know, whatever. Or there was this ad that showed uh, a drink driver hitting a mum, pushing a pram, and and it was was really graphic. And they showed uh, the response between the two ads and the one that actually viscerally made people feel emotions and understand like how dangerous this thing is was the one that had uh, more positive effects. So look, thinking about that to your hypertension yeah. uh, campaign, no, trying to market your product, yeah, I would I would say that um, you, you're doing the right thing because you're trying to create good. And if part of that is making people really feel it, then you should. And I guess it's also, you know, the way most people are more are more responsive to the feeling of having losing something than gaining something a lot of the time. And so, like, there's a really good example that I heard at a, I was at a business course, and he's and the example that he gave was like, say you're in bed at two o'clock in the morning and you're fast asleep, and someone your phone rings and you answer it, and someone goes, "There's someone in your driveway stealing the tires off your car." You'd be like, what the fuck? And you'd get up and you'd be like, oi, what are you doing trying to steal my tires? But if someone did the same thing, called you at 2 a.m. in the morning, fast asleep, you answer your phone and you're like, hey, the tire store down the road's having it, like giving away free tires. You'd be like, fuck off. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So it's you don't, you you have that. And it's actually called something. I can't remember what it is. But I think, yeah, if you can, if we can market it in terms of like, 
you don't want to lose your life. You don't want to lose your loved ones as opposed to like, hey, gain this knowledge and education around hypertension and get more clients. It's kind of like, I think I know what people would, what I would respond more to as well as being like, oh my God, I don't want to die. <laughs> I feel like it should be like a dichotomy between someone getting hit by a car and then like a dad just carking it on a football field with his son while kicking a football yeah. and say one you have control over, one you don't. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Oh, we want royalties for that ad. Mm. You imagine? Hey, son, kick the ball. And then you just (laughs) off he goes. Yeah. Good ad. Dean, you're a marketing genius. Now, Zoe. One may say that I'm creative. (laughs) Yeah, I I always say, Dean. I'm the one. (laughs) I always say that Dean doesn't have a creative bone in his body, but I realize that saying that only perpetuates his belief that he's not creative. Um, so I need to act. I'm less- absolutely not. But occasionally a gem will come to me and I'll just rin- I'll rinse it until it's done. It's amazing. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to act not so surprised when you come up with creative things because I want to foster <laughs> this creativity. With yeah, you. you really need to stop streaking after every time I come up with something because it's that exciting. <laughs> um, but just getting back to blood pressure, you mentioned that it's in people's hands. It's so easy to change. I know that it would be ridiculous for me to be like, oh, share all those things because there's so much to say. But maybe you could share a couple of points with us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the course that we've got is 14, it's 14 hours of content. So I can check We've got got time. Yeah, just summarize that in two minutes. Go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So like I mentioned before, right, there's the two systems uh, within your body that regulate blood pressure. You've got your cardiovascular system and you've got your kidneys as in like your fluid retention. Um, the cardiovascular system is the easiest one to manipulate through exercise, clearly. And this is where cardio, the dreaded C word comes in because, and stress management. So the cardiovascular system, especially the, the mechanisms of it, which raise blood pressure is your sympathetic nervous system, right? So that was, it's literally a vasoconstricts. I think is the right one, not vasodilates. No, vasodilate them. One of the two anyway, and it raises your blood pressure. And that's from your adrenaline and noradrenaline, right? So if you manage, and most people we know are running around stressed, me, hi, right here. Um, and, you know, like Luke says, you got your old smoking crack, you uh, you hate your boss, you're fighting with your partner, you've got mortgage and finance worries, like stress just doesn't go away for us anymore. So learning stress management techniques, uh, eliminating the stresses that you can, and then trying to manage the ones that you cannot um, is a big one. And then the other thing is your cardio, because when you do a lot of weight training, one of the side effects of that is uh, you've got your left ventricular hypertrophy, right? So that thickens the muscle of, do you have that? Mild, but I've reversed some of it. Yeah. So this is, you can reverse it. And so that, that thickens the muscles of your, the left ventricle of your heart, which is the part that pumps the oxygenated blood out and around your body. The thing is when that, that thickens, it makes the chamber smaller. Uh, so you aren't able to hold as much blood in it. The endurance athletes have the opposite thing where they their chamber is bigger. So um, you need to find like a nice balance between the two. So if you focus uh, a lot on like your strength training and your, and your weights training while resistance training is really good uh, and we obviously are huge advocates of it, 
if you are in a hypertensive state, you just want to be mindful of doing anything that, uh, that makes you strain too much. So like you want to try and avoid those. Yeah, yeah, like a leg press. Um, anything that, well, yeah, like anything that's like multi-joint or multi-muscle movements, um, you kind of want to go like ice. It's a really good time to do like your structural balance type stuff, like your unilateral work, not working to, uh, like I think uh, the one that Luca advised was, you know, keeping a good, three to four reps in reserve you know really not going to that full strain or struggle um and then doing incorporating cardio and the thing is you want to keep it uh like the low and slow the really boring stuff so if you can 60 to 90 minutes a day uh if you've got the time and the luxury but then if you don't and you need to try and compact it in like don't do hitch training because it's also shown to high increase your blood pressure but try and keep it under lactate threshold as well um and then that's showing that's able to remodel the heart as well so that can, um, and, and the initial reduction that you get from in hypertension from doing that is usually from your, like this, the nervous system. Um, and that's really beneficial, but you need to continue doing it until you get to the point of like, you're able to remodel the heart almost in a really yeah. simple, well, it's exactly what's really happening, isn't it? Um, so yeah, so cardio, and then in terms of diet, like, you know, all that sodium potassium, there's a sodium argument, but I think sodium has more of an effect on your blood pressure if you're sodium sensitive, which I believe it's about 10% of the population that is. Um, so you also just want to be mindful of your sodium potassium ratio. Um, and then to do that, just eat more vegetables, <laughs> eat a healthier diet, like don't eat so much processed stuff because that's where most of your sodium comes from. Like most people don't heavily, heavily, heavily salt the food that they make themselves at home it comes from like you know and this isn't so we funnily enough we had a guy at the gym who has got really high blood pressure like it's 180 over something he's on blood pressure medication wasn't going down so we were saying to him look you have to go back to your doctor and try a different one because what you're on isn't isn't working um so he got went and changed his blood pressure medication but then he got a heap of side effects with that one and anyway he's quite a big guy he's french he's a patisserie chef as well so he's um like He's a patisserie chef. <laughs> Need I say more? And, He's getting um, high in his own said, supply. Yeah, well, he said to me at one point, he goes, the only time that I've ever gotten any results is when I did light and easy. And you're like, fantastic, because that's it's because you it's you know controlling your calories. But the problem is a lot of those pre-packaged pre-made meals are then high in sodium. So it's kind of like, which is the lesser of two evils at the moment? Like ideally, it'd be good if you could do calorie control and you make your own food. But if that's not going to happen, what's the next easiest option? So you've got like to look at your practical versus optimal. So optimally, yeah, you just want to eat veggies and lean meats until you get it down. But if you're not able to do that, what's the practical thing that you can do? And if it's light and easy, it's light and easy. Um, so, yeah, so there's uh, extra uh, heaps of veggies and do your cardio. Yeah. Mm. You know, actually, I don't know if you shop at Coles or not, but before I left Australia, I, I always keep something called emergency meals in the fridge or freezer. So if I, for whatever reason, are caught out without prepared meals, I have an emergency meal in the fridge. Coles have a line of pre-made meals in the freezer aisle called Perform. And oh, yeah. Yeah, and they're actually quite low in sodium, uh, high in protein. Ones? Yes. Yeah, they're black and so they're, they're split into three different color codes. There's like meals oh. below 400 calories, meals below 600 calories, and meals like 600 calories and above. Oh, so wow. they're color codes. So that might be something helpful Worth. for your clients. Yeah, because I, I believe the, the research supports that it's primarily sodium-dependent hypertension, even more so than ratio specifically. You mentioned potassium and sodium, right? Like, I think they get a greater effect by decreasing sodium than you will increasing, increasing potassium to match. 
Yeah, well, a lot of the way the blood pressure medications work is they are they inhibit the reabsorption of sodium so in the kidneys. So where sodium goes, water follows. Um, so by inhibiting the reabsorption of sodium back into your system, it's excreted, excreted out in your urine. So it's like basically it's a diuretic. Um, and so then water follows it. And that's one of the ways that you lower your blood pressure. And that's obviously through the kidneys function of fluid retention and fluid um, mm. control. Losing weight is probably, well, fat is, or so, just losing size is usually a really big one as well. So I know that there's some, the, the more fluid you have, the higher blood pressure, the more blood, blood volume you have. Um, and I know that there's some doctors that say that for every pound of muscle, sorry, pound of fat that you have, it's about a mile of capillaries that have to, that, wow. that are to service that extra pound. So if you're 50 pounds, which is only 25 kilos overweight, um, or have extra, that many, that's my extra fat, that's like 50 miles. I don't even know what that is in kilometers. 80 80 yeah i would say yeah. 80. so there's that extra blood volume there's that extra blood pressure so i know that yeah luke has got some statistics on how much uh you know if you lose 10 percent of your body weight it can drastically reduce your, your hypertension and blood pressure readings as well so there's a host of things that you can do collectively and i think it's um important to point out that it needs to be a multifaceted approach like it has to be almost like combination therapy you know what i mean like you can't just find a supplement that's going to fix it you can't just find a diet that's going to fix it you can't just find a training program like you have to do all these things collectively um to lower it um and, and another interesting thing is with hypertension if you go to the doctor and if you're diagnosed hypertensive uh 90 to 95 percent of cases that are diagnosed hypertensive are diagnosed as primary hypertension so you've got primary and secondary hypertension Primary hypertension is diagnosed when there is no discernible cause. So they, if there is no discernible cause, there is no discernible treatment. And mm. so that's when you're given blood pressure medication to manage it. Um, but the thing is with the, and it's like 90 to 95% of cases, they're, they're saying, we don't know, we cannot determine exactly what is causing this. Whereas secondary is like, if you do cocaine every weekend and that's what's causing it, or if you've got a kidney disease or anything like that, um, or anything that they know is right is what's raising your blood pressure. So majority of cases that are, that are diagnosed are diagnosed as, as primary um, and the thing that rate that will lower primary hypertension is lowering your risk factors of hypertension and risk factors of hypertension majority can be controlled by personal trainers. So it's obesity, it's uh, reducing alcohol, it's eating uh, more, like, more vegetables, um, it's smoking, it's all the things that we can have an influence on our client to do. Um, lack of exercise and a sedentary lifestyle is a risk factor for hypertension. So there's all these things that we can do as trainers to risk to lower the risk of someone's hypertension. And lowering the risk of hypertension is what lowers majority mainly lowers primary hypertension. Mm. I always go by the saying, if you can, you should. And in this case of personal trainers, it might be a little bit harder. But if you can, you should. I think uh like Spider-Man says, I think I quoted this in Dr. Mike, the second yeah. podcast. What is it? With great something comes. With great responsibility. That comes great responsibility. Look how good we are. What's, what's Spider-Man's quote? With great what comes uh, great. You are asking the wrong person. I think I it's with great power know. comes great responsibility. And I think personal trainers have a lot of power over a client's behavior. Huge influence. Huge yeah. influence. And the thing is, even if, even if you're unable to get your client to do the things they need to do to lower it, at least know what not to do to make it higher. Mm. Like I think Absolutely. that's probably it's like don't don't put them on leg press or at least don't put them on uh, do anything like don't check their blood pressure. Your, yeah, don't do three, two, one like wave loads with them. You know, like <laughs> the last thing you want to do. Mm -hmm. um, 
So there are sneaky things that they might be able to incorporate slowly um, to help them lower it, but at least not exacerbate it. Because that's the other tough thing there too, is, you know, people are coming to a trainer for a particular result and a lot of trainers fear not training them hard, like we said, like they're just going for a hard workout. Because, because of client expectations. Because of client expectations. But I mean, we get that at the gym even. Yeah. And we like, you know, with- I was going to say, if, if I want to be stronger as a client and you tell me I'm going to do a one-legged dumbbell RDL that's contralaterally loaded or something and it's not going to be that hard because I've got shitty blood pressure, I'm going to be like, well, that's not what I want. You're like, yeah. I'm, do you also not want to die? Maybe put that on the question. Do you want to die? <laughs> if they say no, then <laughs> oh, you can say it's actually a goal. I actually saw a phenomenal, phenomenal post um, that I'm I'm going to actually read out to you because it is brilliant. Um, as long as I can find it, hey. Anyway, basically spoke about this guy. Yeah, so this guy he goes. This guy says, "I go to the gym a lot. I have a great coach. I lost a lot of weight, and I'm in the best shape of my life. The gym costs two hundred and fifty dollars a month. It's expensive." A friend of mine makes fun of me for this and he's told me many times that I'm overpaying because he goes to Planet Fitness and he pays $10 a month. With that said, he really goes and when he does, he half asses it. He's overweight. I was considering finding a cheaper gym. I started going through my finances for the month and I was on a call with my financial advisor and I brought this up to him. He proceeded to give me some of the best behavioral finance advice I've ever received. And he said, and this is what I think is incredible. He said, Your friend can't believe that you pay $250 a month to be in great shape. I can't believe your friend is willing to stay fat for $240 a month. I love it. Fuck, that is good. So if you're debating an expense, like inverse the cost and the benefits, or am I willing to pay $250 a month in order to be in shape, or am I willing to be out of shape in exchange for $240 a month? And I was just like, that is good. Is it weird that that gave me goosebumps? Planet Fitness fucking (laughs) give their members pizza. (laughs) And they have escalators going up to the gym instead of stairs. We have a Planet Fitness membership. Do we you? signed up? Yep. Woods is one around the corner from our home. Um, it was just for ease. We never go. We actually we signed up to Worlds like not that long ago. So we'll start going there instead and get rid of our Planet Fitness. But that was a Planet Fitness like, in Australia. Yeah, yeah. There's oh. quite. They're starting to pop up a few places. I've now. not seen them before. Um, but we've got their black membership. So they've got, we get like these saunas, these spray tan machines, massage Ooh. chairs, like all that sort of stuff. So Luke would go and use the sauna now and again. But now we signed up to a world that has one. It's sauna anyway, code for spray tans. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. He's been for one spray tan. Luke has been for it. It's one of those like, like the Ross on Friends where it's. Yeah. Like, what do you do with your junk? That is a spray tan. Because you don't want like a cock and balls. You'd still just put a sock on it. No, but like it's up against I your don't leg, know if right? He did that, though. I reckon he just would have gone nudie. But do you have to, like, lift it up and push it to the side? When you got your spray tan at Planet Fitness, did you go naked? Which one? At Planet Fitness. Yeah. Yeah. So you got a tanned penis? Yeah, of course you want a tanned penis. He said, of course you want a tanned penis. (laughs) You know what you you definitely want to do? You want to leave the penis over the ball so it just tans the top of the penis and then you have a white line when you lift it up. (laughs) I think Zoe, I'm ready. I must say, this has been the, my favorite part of the podcast so far. Just thinking about like how you would tan a cock. I just watched that Ross episode the other day. Do you think that Trump has we an like, orange I'm an eight? <laughs> Do you think Trump has an orange dick? Because he definitely gets spray tans. I reckon he probably just does from here up. You think so? Yeah. Yeah, I reckon. Decolletage and above. Yeah, he would I have a white right. penis because his belly would go over it. He'd have to lift the belly or he'd have a tan crease. That's true. 
What has Tanner tells him he's tanned his penis and he wouldn't be any the wiser because he can't see it? Yeah. <laughs> um, he needs to do your course for sure. That guy would have insane blood pressure. I don't know. He thinks well, he's even, pretty even good. if he was fitting and shaped, like even Obama probably would, just from the stress you're under of running America or attempting to run America. I think you're um, wrong. I think he would have, I think not only would Trump have great blood pressure, but he'd have the greatest blood pressure that's ever seen in the world. <laughs> he'd have the blood pressure of a two year old. The best blood pressure. He's got the best words and the best blood pressure. <laughs> He really, he does not have very good personal skills, does he? Look. He has the best personal skills. <laughs> the, best. the greatest personal skills ever. He'll time. tell you that himself. <laughs> but anyway, what I was saying is when we went to Planet Fitness and signed up, the guy, they have this alarm on the wall. I can't remember what it's called. Is it the, cl- um, uh, the clunk alarm? Something like, something, oh, it's not, no, it's not clunk. It actually is, uh, it's calling it's a bad name to the person who clunks like it's not the effect it's the person i can't remember what it is like say it's like the jerk alarm or something like that it's not but something similar and um the guy goes to luke do you know about the jerk alarm and luke goes yeah and he goes luke goes i thought this was a non-judgmental place because <laughs> they were fully just like saw luke and was like this guy is not a planet fitness person like he's probably going to throw weight because i think he said you know you're not allowed to slam your weights around and like you do know about the jerk alarm and luke's like yeah i thought this was a non-judgmental place i love it why are you, ju- why are you judging me <laughs> isn't that funny when i'm um, dean and i were coming back from singapore was it the lady said do you have anything to this declare is australian customs yeah australian customs do you have anything to declare we were like nope she was like so you haven't brought anything back no protein powders or anything like, <laughs> and do you ask everyone if they bring back protein powders or are you judging me because look i understand it's a positive judgment because you think i look fit but i still don't appreciate it yeah. that was good <laughs> She's like really really no protein powder <laughs> oh. believe it or not no i ate it all over there i was that prepared <laughs> <laughs> which um, is actually true that's hilarious we, did, we finished all our protein powder <laughs> I'm not a monster. Would I, would you, do i look like i have leftover protein powder <laughs> You're like, no it's gone it's in here bitch look at these guns <laughs> yeah blood pressure is really important hmm. yeah <laughs> this is another thing yeah laugh, laugh have a good time find some periods of uh quietness I, I always talk to people about blood pressure and I hate using the word because I think it's misappropriated a lot of the time, even by myself. And the word's holistic, right? And that blood yeah. pressure truly is something that requires a holistic approach. Nutrition, stress. There is some nutrition. Yes. There's some stress. There's some hoo-hoo, you know, wah-wah mm. stuff where you might be telling them, hey, like, can you maybe read a book before you go to bed? Or yeah. you know, maybe don't yell at your wife tomorrow. A gratitude diary. Yeah, a gratitude diary. Like, heaps yeah. of things. It is, it is all-encompassing. Have either of you read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? I have audio, I've audio listened to it. Okay. Do you remember the section where, what's the author's name again? I forget. I have no idea. I wanted to just, about, I just wanted to say the guy who wrote Atomic Ham, it's James someone, but it's not him. James Clear. No, not James Clear. Sorry, let's call him Bob. So Bob, the author, it's definitely not Bob. Um, do you remember the section where he talks about, um, he talks about life tasks in four different categories? So one category is unimportant and like not an emergency this might not be the words that he's using oh yeah yeah and then he talks about things that are very important but not an emergency and then there's things that are important and urgent so on and so forth so things that are important and urgent is like you just had a heart attack you need medical intervention or like um i don't know your car broke down you need to get it serviced to move on from that point so that's important and an emergency then there's things that aren't important sorry that are important 
but aren't an emergency. Like eating well, sleeping well, stress management, you know, all the things that are going to lead to someone having a heart attack or not. But because if we eat poorly today or skip a gym workout today um, or don't get enough sleep today, it doesn't seem like an emergency. They're not something that we have to do right now to continue to survive. But if we actually fail to act on those things, they will become emergencies in the future. Mm. Um, yeah. Did, did I describe that as you yeah, remember it in the book? It's like that. Acute, yeah. Yeah. And it's in the little grid, right? Yeah. It's in a mm. grid. The grid was explained to me and they say, I'm looking at a grid. <laughs> yes. In the audio book. Like I think when they just when they describe like images and graphs and stuff and they right. actually explain it. Um, but it's yeah, you're right. It's that accumulative effect of things. And again, that's the difficulty and why people don't take it so seriously, is because nothing of consequence happens immediately. Immediately. Mm. Um, and again, it's just like, oh, I had a heart attack out of nowhere, I had a stroke out of nowhere. Um but yeah, it's so it's, it's such an easy, again, I shouldn't say easy, simple. There's simple things to do and there's simple ways to figure it out. But again, if you have, if you have don't have anything that's disruptive of your lifestyle, like what motive do you have to fix it aside from the fear of having a stroke or a heart attack? And we all know that a lot of people have the mentality of that'll never happen to me. Mm. I so, think the fear of the unknown should be good enough here in the, you know, I don't know if I have blood pressure issues, but if I did, these are the potential things that could happen to me, e.g. stroke out or heart attack at 40 when I don't even have the chance to, to, to yeah. prepare for it. Um, mm. now, just, just quickly on the blood pressures, mm -hmm. uh, the cuffs, if you're going to go for the cuff, please make sure that obviously the cuff is the appropriate size because that's one of the, yeah. the biggest problems is misdiagnosis due to cuff size irregularity. Or, um, How do people yeah, check for getting the right size, Dean? Uh, they'll just have a centimetre measurement on the cuff and then you can measure the circumference of your arm. Are you better off being too large on the cuff than you are being too small? Do um, you have to use a leg cuff on your arms? Uh -huh, I just bought a, a, a big boy <laughs> cuff. Yeah. Did you actually have to buy a new cuff? Yeah, I bought it. Yeah, I bought an extra large version. Oh, look you at you, big boy. So we like to wrap up our episodes when we remember with a be less shit tip because our tagline for the podcast is how to be less shit. If you could send listeners home with one thing to remember, what might it be? Yep. Um, you didn't even prepare me for this. Do you know what? Do you know one of the one of the best things that has completely changed my perspective and the way I consider and approach being in the like a I, I'm not a coach in the industry, but being in the industry is we have a really good habit um, of saying you have a problem. Like we'll look at obese people or overweight people, and we say you have a problem, um, and we have the solution. More often than not, I think it's like 70, 70 to 80% of obese or overweight people have experienced some type of past trauma. More often than not, their size to them is a solution to something. Do you mean emotional so, trauma? Any, it could be abuse. It could be like sexual abuse, physical abuse. It could be that their parents were alcoholics. It, so there's a, there's, a, there's a questionnaire called, I think it's the ACE the ACE test or the ACE questionnaire and it's adverse childhood experiences I believe it is there's 10 questions on it and there's questions like how do you like did you come from a divorced family were any of your parents alcoholics did you have any like it's a it's a, it's a heavy questionnaire and you just have to answer yes or no and for every yes you get a point the more the more higher you score the more likely you are to have adverse health reactions in your older in your older years 
Um, so we used to hold a seminar called when it's not about the food and we held it with a counselor who was an EMDR therapist. Um, and she used to teach, uh, teach, teach all the stuff about how to pick up for red flags and when to refer out. And they dealt with morbidly obese patients. And for example, uh, there was a girl who one of their patients, like say, for example, her nickname when she was growing up was little Lucy. (laughs) And from the age of like three or four years old, she was sexually abused. Being small to her is dangerous. You get rape victims, you get any anything like that, um, and their size is becomes a solution to something, whether they're consciously aware of it or not. More often than not, they're not. And you'll find that that's when people will like self sabotage. If you get the really overweight clients and they reduce, like they'll lose a little bit of weight and then they'll self sabotage and put it back on. And I think that mind shift from me from saying you've got a problem and we've got the solution is to ask what what is this a solution for it's same with addiction same with any type of addiction their addiction to drugs alcohol food it's a solution to something they are taking it for a reason it's not a problem to them like it Uh becomes a problem but initially starts off with a solution to fix something or to dull something or to you know suppress something so i think approaching it a little bit more from that perspective if people can start doing that more than saying you've got a problem and you need to be fixed um and just kind of like digging a little deeper and having a little bit more compassion as to why they're where they are in the first place i think that'll change a lot of the way the fitness industry I guess, markets and approaches things because I personally believe that the industry creates, a it, it, it advertises to the industry, it markets to the industry and it creates more of a divide between the industry and the people who need it. Mm. Um, and I think if we can kind of shorten that gap a little bit better, uh, we'll be able to serve a lot easier than, or a, a lot better than we we are. It's kind of turning into a bit of a two-deck competition out here with like the industry just trying to promote to everyone else in the industry and try and be bigger, better, stronger, faster. Like it's just lena that's a banging tip yeah thank you for that leadership mm. tip i think you're welcome really helpful now the next question is something worth sharing and feel free to share anything you'd like but perhaps you could share the name of this hypertension course so anyone who's interested can search it on muscle nerds online hypertension course perfect <laughs> where, is, where is creative is dean <laughs> is that the name online hypertension <laughs> course oh get out he does not have a name okay <laughs> And, and it'll be sold via MuscleNerds website. I had not even considered to name it anything other than a hypertension course. I mean, our program design course is called program design course, and our nutrition course is called nutrition course. Okay, leave it at that. That I love it when like a child names their teddy bear Teddy, or like their their bunny rabbit bear or bunny rabbit bear bunny rabbit toy bunny. So it's it's look, it's real creative. I Do like we it. know if a human has ever named another human human or child? Well, you have a client called Human or something. Human, yeah. But yeah. it's it's H double O M A N. He does listen to his podcast too. So thank you, Human or Human. All right. So if people were interested in the online hypertension course, yeah. <laughs> hilarious. Uh, how could they find it or how could they contact you? Okay. So at the moment, it is uh, t- well, when's this being released? Do you know? Uh, end of April. Oh, okay. So we're good. We're released. We are hoping by now. So if you just go to our website, www.musclenerds.net, uh, and if you click in the menus, we've got, I think, online education as an option, maybe services, online education. I don't know. I'll have to review. And then just click on that and you'll find the hypertension course. You'll be able to buy it online um, and you'll get instant access straight away. It's You'll have the material forever. It's all self-paced. There's uh, about 13 and a half hours of content and a ton of resources. 
um, and it's all yours to implement and start saving lives. True. My next question is a would you yeah. rather? Oh, I like to come up. No, <laughs> yours fuck me up. <laughs> I literally went through your your highlights of them one day and I was like, I can't answer like half of these. I need to go back and save the ones I've done in the last few months. I haven't saved them to my highlights in a while. Okay. I, I make these up on the spot and I like to make them relevant oh. sometimes um, to the podcast. So would you rather never be able to check your blood pressure ever again? Or would you rather have to have a nipple on your forehead? Um, You're able to have a fringe or cover it up with foundation or something, but you've got a little nip on your forehead or never be able to check your blood pressure. So you could Um, have high blood pressure. After everything that we've spoken about, I'm going to go with A. I'd rather never be able to take my blood pressure again. And I'll tell you why. Because uh, females traditionally run more hypotense than males. And it only really becomes a problem for us around menopause or postmenopause. Mm. Um, so I would choose that because in my postmenopausal years, I hope I would have done enough to relax. Yes. <laughs> To keep my blood pressure down. Okay. Yeah, females typically run a bit more high protein. It's more of a it's more of an issue for males. I didn't yeah. mention that earlier, but yeah, that was all right. Light compared to some of your other. Oh, I feel like I need to go again then. But for listeners that don't know what hypotension is, it's oh, the yeah. opposite of hyper, which just mean low yes. blood pressure. Um, yes. listeners and and watchers, if you found value in the podcast, please subscribe, rate us, uh, take a screenshot and tag us, Muscle Nerds Flex Success, Dean and Lizzie. And uh, share it with your friends. Share the love. Help people not die. Yeah. And save your life. <laughs> yeah, everyone who's got a blood pressure uh, blood pressure medication, don't do that. Everyone who's got a blood pressure machine, take a picture of that bitch with this podcast and, and post it up on IG. Yeah. I think the more we can create awareness of people that are actually doing this would be great too because, you know, monkey see, monkey do. Absolutely. And thank you for your time today, Zoe, and sharing no, your knowledge with us. Thank you. I feel very honoured. <laughs> Oh,